Welcome to the Make Music Income Podcast with Stephen Bedall of the Production Music Academy and me, Eric Copeland of Make Music Income. In this podcast, we'll talk about our experiences in music licensing as music artists with online channels, our publishing and royalty incomes, and our combined over 40 years experience as music producers for hire. So let's get started with today's episode. Well, hey, Steve, another podcast, podcast number five today that we're going to cover the topic, the difference between a composer and an artist, which might seem kind of odd, like they're the same thing to some people, but there's definite differences. It's a conversation I kind of got into, started getting into a little bit today, actually, on the Discord. Mm -hmm. But it's something I'm finding as I change my my focus on who I'm serving, kind of, or, or at least add in composers and producers to my my client base as from coaching. Yeah. And 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 those are the people I talk to on Discord and all that kind of stuff. And um and and so it's interesting talking with them and then talking with my artists. And some of my artists are starting to come around to um licensing they're seeing the benefits but i just shot a video today for my artist uh creative soul records which is is my company that's been around this is the 25th year for the for the label amazing production company and so but we're gonna have to see some changes this year we're gonna have to make some changes Uh, but i'm talking to artists there and you know, just the differences between composers and artists are many. So it'll be interesting to get through there and uh, come up with some some thoughts that I had about that. And I'm, I'm sure you have some thoughts too. So let's get into the news for this week. Mine is not going to be long, Mine so either. I might <laughs> just go first because it's kind of a short week. And uh, like I said to you earlier, I'm finishing Christmas songs for clients trying to get them out last minute. It's always the way it goes. It doesn't matter how early you start. You can start in October and mm-hmm. still, um, you know, usually if you start in the summer, you're good. But if you start in October and everybody's just messing around, suddenly here I am on December 21st trying to finish up Christmas songs, including maybe getting some <laughs> videos done. But a lot of people don't mind releasing a video on the 23rd or the 24th. They think that's fun because it's very Christmassy, you know. But really, optimally, we should be releasing this stuff in early December so it gets a lot of play. Yeah. But uh, these aren't necessarily Christmas singles that they're going to release on Spotify. These are more just songs that they decide to do. And and the the beautiful thing about all these songs, and any time you do a Christmas song, is is Christmas will be be back in about eleven months. So we'll be we'll be <laughs> ready <long>. for it <laughs> again. Yeah. It, and, and this will be the the gift that keeps on giving. You know, it's always another. Yeah. There's always another uh, Christmas coming, and and you'll have a new song next month, next year, at Christmas, where people will be like, I didn't hear this one last year for whatever reason they weren't paying attention on Facebook or whatever, and uh, they'll they'll hear it. So yeah, well, um, always always an interesting time to put content out there. And I just put a video out this morning, and we can talk about that a bit later. But uh, I'm like, how many people are are on YouTube at this time of year? I don't know. Probably a fair bit. I'm just well, kind of lounging around, not doing much. So, <laughs> I don't know, man. I have had one of my top. I mean, I have a video blowing up right now. The video I did on Motion Array. Oh yeah, is outpacing everything. At how the many start. views are you, at, are you at there? I think it's it's around, it's getting maybe around 500 views. Nice. And it's only been out a few days. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah, so people are but, sitting around. They're they're on their on their computers and they're taking it easy. It'll, it'll always depend what uh, you know what what people are interested in, and I don't care what time of year it is. And it might even be a time where people are sitting around with not much to do, and they are watching YouTube more, mm-hmm. you know, because they may not be working as much. So who knows if this will be a good time or a bad time? But. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm I'm really excited for this channel. It's I'm I'm a, I'm in the 900s now, approaching a thousand subs. So it's going to be a little bit of a celebration probably next month when I when I cross a thousand subscribers on the Make Music Income 
YouTube channel. Yeah, well, um, you only started it like how long? How many months has it been since you put July. your first video out? Started in July. July. So that's like what six months or something like that. Yeah, it's gonna um, be about six months, and I, I'll probably do a video on 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 what I think is what what grew it, you know, that quickly to the subs. Now I won't be to watch time for a while, but uh, <clears throat> if it continues, you know, watch time should come sometime in the spring. Oh yeah, and uh, and the channel should monetize. But um, I think there's a strategy that I kind of f f stumbled upon as I was building this channel um, that I'm going to try to uh, duplicate on my artist, my Creative Soul Records channel, mm -hmm. and then possibly again on a composer channel down the line. But uh, my my Creative Soul Records channel has been around for. 10 years or more, a YouTube channel that's been around for a long time. But mm -hmm. we've just used it to throw up artist videos here and there, you know. Right. It's right. not really been a uh, an active channel. Um, it's more like an artist channel where an artist will put a song up and then not put another one up in six months and put another one up, you know. Yeah. And so uh, I use it kind of as a collector's channel of all the different artists that we've, you know, what the newest videos from each artist. But I think what I'm gonna try to start using it for is a little bit more education for artists and things like that. And so we'll talk about some of those artist things here coming up. Um, cool. Also, uh, I'm trying to shut down for the holidays after tomorrow, I think, yeah. and probably sh uh, shut down as when this uh, podcast airs, it will be the 26th or 27th, the day after, a couple days after Christmas. Okay. And, and try to use most of that week to compose and maybe pitch a little bit. I know necessarily that pitching, you would think, how would you pitch to people on the holidays when they're not there? But um, some of the places I pitch to are more computer run, uh, like the motion arrays or the or whatever, and they and you got to yeah. get in queues to be heard. Um, but it's going to be mostly for mixing things that I've already started this year and I just never got to the mixing phase on, and then composing. Uh, on and and arranging on a bunch of stuff that I have lined up, so cool. that's that's my my goal for after I shut down tomorrow for quote unquote work and clients, uh, really kind of moving towards um, moving towards that. Um, I had another song accepted at one of my exclusive libraries. I pitched a new pop al album idea to one of my exclusive libraries, and they like they're thinking about it right now. And then here's some news: I quit Song Trader. The pay yeah. level, yeah, I saw on that both, on Discord on two different accounts, and I stayed. I'll stay on there because you have a free account, and I'm going to kind of test out what it's like to be a free account user and what the difference is in money uh, over mm -hmm. the course of the year, because it's been a lower year on Song Trader and only barely worth. I had three accounts, and two were paid and one was free, mm -hmm. and the one of the paid ones, it made its money back and and three times more probably. But another one didn't make its money back. I don't believe if it did, it's very close. And um, I just wanna, I wanna get away from some of these paid things. I also quit Arcade yeah. Yeah. Uh, by Output, which I like a lot. I love it, it's really cool. But I don't use it enough to, to pay for it. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of gearing up to, to buy some Spitfire things and some little, uh, some other little things, and um, just ready to try something else. I'm, I might even try Splice, uh, but I think I've just got enough loops and stuff that I don't <laughs> yeah. need that kind of thing. You know, uh, through <laughs> yeah. all my complete stuff, I haven't even been through the thousands of loops that I have <laughs> since I upgraded complete. There's all sorts of stuff in there I haven't even explored yet. So yeah, yeah, I, f I feel that man. It's like if you're not using it, don't don't yeah. subscribe. And uh, and like there's there's plenty of libraries that I've actually bought that I haven't even. Um, had properly explored yet, so it's important to uh, make and use of like what you got. And it's like you said about arcade recently. It, you know, you 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 you're scared to use it for for that someone else may be using those same samples, and and then you could be. Um, you know, confused with content ID and stuff like that. There could be. Yeah. Well, th yeah, this is a, yeah, this is an inf interesting conversation. And there's, I've had this conversation with lots of people uh, about splice and arcade. And it's like, if you're, if, especially if you're using melodic loops as like the main top line melody of your track, you're, you're going to run into issues with content ID um, because there's thousands of other music producers out there doing the same thing. 
Um, so as soon as somebody registers one of those tracks with that melodic line and content ID, I mean, it's gonna you're gonna trigger it if you put it out um, on the library. So something to be, uh, it, it, yeah, it's something to be aware of. And I really think that you get the most out of Splice and Arcade, uh, depending on how you you use it. But we can talk about that some other time. Yeah. Um, I also took songs out of a library completely. A, mm -hmm. a, we won't name it, but let's just say I'm no longer on that ridge. Um, <laughs> and I have taken all the songs down. And uh, I, I would delete the account, but I don't know how to. So for now, I'm just have no songs up there and um, okay. I also downloaded a bunch of new free stuff um, including Stephen Slate drums free which yeah I've is got really that. cool yeah it's great Orque some things from orchestral tools which I had just found out about yeah. I didn't really know much about them and yeah also I have been helping a client use studio one prime which is their version of their free version yeah all three are great and I just finished sure. just taping a video for of free stuff which by the time this podcast comes out that'll be the last video i put out well it'll be the video i put out before christmas like on thursday probably um on the 23rd and it's just basically some free things that people can i mean i know you've done videos on this before but these are just the things that i think uh if you're looking for a present for yourself during christmas and you don't get what you want this might be something fun to go and download a few of these things um <laughs> cool and so um you know talking about all the spitfire free things and the complete has a free thing that's amazing what yeah they, that they complete offer. start is great no it's called yeah complete start labs and all that great. kind of stuff labs all that stuff yeah, uh piano book amazing. everything i just want to totally. kind of put a little thing together for it's not necessarily a christmas video although the, there's an element in it for that but it should be good anytime unless they stop offering these things but right um, i just think I know at this time of year, I like to find new things and, and download new software to play around with because I've got extra time and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, maybe man. some other people will like that as well. Yeah. So that's what I've been up to um, this week. Nice. Yeah, I had a pretty mellow uh, last week. I think probably the most exciting thing for me um, was purchasing a new uh, microphone arm uh, desk attachment on, on Amazon. <laughs> Is that um, what we're, we're not looking at that now? No, no. You're looking oh, at a at a mic stand that's like really annoying and yeah, in that's my what way I use, and taking up thing. too much room in my small well, little I space. I bought here. one. You can see it right back here. The, oh yeah, the mic yeah. Arm. I can see it. It yeah, came I, with a package with all sorts of stuff. Like uh, I think it came with this. Uh, oh, it came with a pop screen. It came with a pop screen. That's it cool. came with a phone holder. It came with a bunch of things. Oh yeah, cool. Uh, but. Um, the problem is it's it was too heavy for the mic that I had at the time. Now, this one's a little lighter, and it might work better. The other problem I have is this desk has a very short lip. So okay. it, doesn't, it doesn't slip under. That desk has a, has a wider lip on it, so it can stay on it better. But this desk has just only about this far of a lip before it hits metal, and mm. it won't stay on it. Very oh, well. I think mine, mine should be okay for it. I, I don't know. I just need to make more room because I hate this stand in my way. It's so yeah, annoying. I feel the same way because I'm always doing this and putting yeah, it over drives here. drives me and, crazy. And it's just always in my way. But yeah. uh, Otherwise, yeah, just cleaning up uh, cleaning up house for the new year, uh, cleaning up my hard drives, really boring stuff over here. <laughs> cleaning I've been doing up, that cleaning too. up my desk and my studio space. Um, I have to catch up on some track reviews uh, for the Academy today, uh, so I'm excited about that. Um, I got to start thinking about January's content for the Academy too. I think the next course is going to be on uh, doing remixes because a lot of people have been asking me, asking me about that recently, especially with the whole um, uh, Google remix I did recently. So uh, that might be the next course for January. We'll see. I'd really like to spend this break during this break. I've been promising some clients that I would do a, a motion array, um, how to video, how to put, how to, just basically upload songs, what the upload process is. And we've been mm -hmm. talking about making some of these little modules for your academy that yeah. you could use there as well. But I, I'd like to have them for, uh, especially for one client, but several clients who are getting ready to start that okay. and be able to give that to them and or sell to other people. Um, along with a ebook that I started last week on all the royalty-free libraries that I know of and 
just general information on all of them because that that's a question I get a lot. What are all the royalty free libraries? What yes. are they all? You know. Yeah. So uh, that'll be kind of a little introductory ebook type of thing. So. Oh, cool. Nice. That and I'm I'm really just gearing up the channel. I, I've got a website that's getting close to being done, and for for make music income, and uh, nice. excited to 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 get that out there. But anyway, um, is that all you got? Yeah, for news. Yeah, that's it. Okay. That's it for my week. It's it's chill. Well, I gotta do some baking today. That's all. Also baking. On my list. Well, gotta do some, gotta bake um, some cookies. Yeah, and this is a lot of people don't know, but this is the Make Music Income Baking episode. <laughs> um, so we'll be while we're doing this podcast, Steve will be baking. A I'm mixing lovely, my ingredients as we speak. It's a lovely. It's gonna be. You can't see it on the podcast, but it's a lovely little cake with some marzipan <laughs> over the top and a lovely. Uh, glaze. So uh, it's going to be exciting. We'll let you know how that comes out uh, <laughs> later in the show. I'll post the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I do love those making shows for some reason. I don't know why. They're <laughs> Me strangely too, actually. Relaxing. I love the cooking shows. <laughs> yeah, My mom know. and I both love the cooking shows. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's like, I don't know if I want to watch those, but I think they're kind of funny. <laughs> All right, um, <clears throat> so let's talk about composers and artists and the difference between them. Now, uh, in case you're wondering why we're covering this, um, Steve and I are both artists and we're both composers. Um, I work with a lot of artists and so does Steve and you may be one or the other. This really came up when I started, I did a video of, of, about a month ago on called Being the Artist and asking people if they were releasing their music as as artists on Spotify that they were pitching to stock libraries especially, but also sync libraries. And you know what? Uh, the, the general thought is no. I mean, more people probably are not putting their library music, licensing music up to Spotify than mm -hmm. are. Just because, <clears throat> rightly so, is it is it uh, interesting to anyone, or is it something that you know you want to? You, then you have to make a cover. You have to make a whole artist brand. You have to come up with all these kind of things. Where as a composer, you're just cranking out music. But you know, I've been working for artists for over twenty years. All the focus is on the artist. When we're focusing building an artist single or an artist album or an artist brand. It's all about the photo shoot. It's all about the marketing. It's all about building a Facebook page. It's all about building an Instagram account. It's all about building a YouTube channel. It's all about building a everything that you got to make that is focused around that artist's face. You know, and mm -hmm. that it's all, hey, look at me on Facebook. It's all TikTok and it's all reels. And it's such a different, it's such a dichotomy from the composers that we are working with now mostly in the Discord and in the Production Music Academy and that I, the people I'm talking to on Make Music Income's YouTube channel, it's it's just a, composers are a different breed. It's a it's like a whole different side. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it's first and foremost about the music. There's very little thought of self-promotion. It's all about I mean, the most self-production any of these composers do is say, hey, guys, what do you think of this tune? You know, that's the most they, they probably show off their music besides cranking it out to the libraries. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I just want to like, and I think just one thing that came to mind right now is that, the, the, is that composers are often writing like in a utilitarian sort of sense. Like they're writing music to be used in like, you know, whether it's like sync or like or film, for example. So there's less of a, there's less of a requirement to be like it's not like you're posturing it so that you're like, hey, listen to my music, listen to my tracks, like check out what I'm doing as an artist. It's more just like your writing uh, is it's it's not really meant to be consumed in that traditional sense of like, I'm just going to sit down and listen to the Spotify album. It's like something that you might see as background music in a film or in like a piece of, you know, visual content. So there's a, there's that there's that difference in approach. The the thing that kind of got me when I was working on my masters in composition was that every time we had a recital, for the most part, 95% of the time the composer was in the audience. 
The composer was not on the stage. The composer's work was on the stage. And mm -hmm. there were musicians on the stage performing the composer's work. Right. So what the 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 teacher would do would have would have the composer come out before the piece and talk to the crowd and introduce the song and where it came from. And then the composer goes off stage and sits down and with the audience and listens. So mm -hmm. the composer is in the audience. They're not on the stage. That's one interesting kind of aspect to it versus the artist whose only thought is to be on stage. Mm -hmm. You know, their only thought is to be in front of people and be be performing, and that's how they get the thrill for them, is the audience, and they get that energy back. You've had that before as an artist. You know what that feels like. I've done it too. Mm -hmm. But as composers, we're, we're more like parents in the fact that we want our songs, just like as parents, we want our children to do well. Mm -hmm. And that's our... That's our main focus is is that our our kids will get out there and do something. Now, some of them, like we talked about last week, may only work part time, <laughs> and some of them might have full time gigs, and some of them might get rich, and mm -hmm. and support us in our old age. But um, I think that's a big difference too versus artists who, when they get to old age, it gets harder because um, hey, look at me becomes harder when you're. 50 or 60 years old and you're getting all these wrinkles and you don't look like you did when you were 30. And, uh, and then you start getting the uh, kind of cold shoulder from younger audiences because you are older. So yeah. whereas well, composers, the older we get, the better we get. And yeah, the, this is, this is a key difference is the performative nature of being an artist in the typical sense uh, is that you're writing music to be, um, with, you know, uh, presumably the intention of performing it in some capacity where there really isn't um, that much uh, perform performance, uh, you know, involved in like me writing music for film. You know, it's that the film is uh, it being in the film is the performance. So um, <clears throat> there is crossover too. you know, there's uh, composers who do perform uh, their work and uh, and, and you know, um, there's artists who don't uh, perform. Their, their work and just write you know music to be listened to uh, too so you know there's there's exceptions to both sides of course we were also having the discussion about fake artists on the discord um where spotify um motion array even with motion array originals is hiring people to be a brand for them mm -hmm. so uh but when we start talking about this a lot of people were, were like tr putting quotations around fake artists. In other words, they were saying Spotify is hiring people to create music that sounds like other music. And I'm like, what label is not doing that? Every label is finding artists to create music that's like another artist. It's, it's, a, fascinating, it's a fascinating uh, discussion because it's like, I mean, even as artists, like we're, we're sponging up all of our influences and trying to sound like one thing or another, you know? Um, the idea that like you can be completely original is sort of like a falsity in some sense. Um, it is the, it is interesting with like, you know, the Spotify thing, how they're hiring people to like write music and like they, they're putting, you know, profiles up on, um, have, they have artist profiles up that aren't like not necessarily like, I guess, real in the sense that like, it's not like the, a typical artist like promoting their work. Um, they're just like hired guns to, you know, uh, writing music that sounds like but something else. We've dealt with that for years. Um, do you remember the band Fru Fru? No. Have you ever heard of Fru Fru? Mm -hmm. Have you ever heard of Imogen Heap? Yep. Well, of course you have. Well, Imogen Heap was part of a group called, and it wasn't even a group, it was just a album that came out before Imogen Heap's first big album. And it was a pretty big hit in the UK and, and here too. And it's really respected around for musicians and production circles because it's so well produced. It sounds like Imogen Heap's mm -hmm. like first album. It sounds almost just like it. Mm -hmm. But it had a lot of keyboards, a lot of vocals, her smart writing, all that kind of stuff. But um, Fru Fru was just a made-up thing. Um, and there's other ex examples. And I don't want to just say someone like, uh, um, uh, what was the... Uh, um, Scritti Politti, who turns out that and there was a big. Do you remember who Scritti Politti was? They mm -hmm. had a very a big one-hit wonder song in the 
80s or 90s. And then it came out that they were just hired musicians or or they weren't even the singers. I think that oh, was you mean Millie Vanilli. What I say? Uh, I don't know what I you said. I said Scritti Politti. That's another thing. Oh, uh, Millie, Millie Vanilli is yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah. But yeah. that's, they said there were other singers. But yeah, you know what? That's right. There People were shocked been... about that. It's fu- it's funny. I remember when that. I mean, I think I was really young when that that happened. But I remember reading about it, and uh, and and yeah, people were really shocked about it. But it's like it's it's that's just totally not shocking anymore. Everyone there, knows what's there going is on a now. certain well known Christian band that their first album was mostly studio musicians playing, not the actual band that you right. see on the cover. Right. But that's because. You know, the, the, the label signed the head guy who was the writer, and the songs were the key. Mm-hmm. The songs were the key. And and really, the songs are always the key. It's just sometimes, um, you know, there are hired— and I could probably go in and find a dozen examples of where a singer just came in and sang a producer's stuff. Like David Foster was famous for his sound— uh, who else? Uh, who's the '60s producer? Um, that Wall of Sound guy. Oh, um, um, dude with the gun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, forget his not name. Ramon, right? No, no. Um, uh, he produced the Ramones. Um, and he produced then, the Ramones. Uh, John Lennon, then the Beatles, some of the Beatles stuff. Everybody else is going to be screaming it on our podcast. But <laughs> anyway, you know, he was known for, you know, putting together uh, uh, Phil Spector. He That's was right. known right. for putting together, you know, a a lot of acts and he basically just created things out of whole cloth and put them on the radio and they did that all through the 50s and 60s and so people Mm -hmm. act like the beatles somewhat are 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 a created thing the george martin basically created this type of music with the beatles and it happens that mccartney and lennon were just fantastic songwriters or they got fantastic i wouldn't say that they were world beaters at on that first album, they got, I think they, over the, over time, especially with George Martin and, and all the stuff that they had were given became super great writers. Well, they, they came into their own, but they were doing the same. Th- they were a part of, you know, uh, of this revolution uh, that, you know, uh, was influenced by American blues, you know, young yeah. kids being Ameri- um, really influenced by that music, uh, them along with many other kids, their age um, at that time in Britain. And, you know, they, they were all trying to sound, or they were all openly, uh, paying tribute to you know Muddy Waters and uh, Chuck Berry and 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 in, in their early days. So, but like you One said, the, they're amazing songwriters and they came into their own and created something new from all of it too. So that you know you got to well, give them credit for that. Before I go off topic into music history, um, let me just say that you know because I often love to do that, but um, it, this has been done forever and and people are mm-hmm. acting like it's new because um, people are. I mean. We watch TikToks every day where everybody is just dancing and and lip syncing to songs that are out there and they're hu- they're getting millions of hits. Mm-hmm. And we have no problem with that. But yet if we find out that Motion Array has hired some professional people to make music stuff, my only problem in the video and continues to be my problem is that the the music that they are making I don't have a problem with them making quality music to put in their library. I have the problem with them putting it at the top of their staff picks. <laughs> That's the problem I have. If mm-hmm. if it was in the top of the um, popularity picks, just because people had picked those because they like them the most, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But to be the staff and say, Motion Array Originals is number two in this category <gasps> and number five in this category. <gasps> hey, no. Sorry, I'm gonna have to yell at, kill a dog in a minute. Um, <laughs> because to say that Motion Array, you know, Motion Array Originals is number two in a category, and the staff has picked that, that seems a little self-serving. It's 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 a little like uh, Dick Clark on American Bandstand saying, "Oh, and number one this week is Dick Clark and this and the you know American Bandstand band." You know, it it yeah. it's it, it's just too self-serving for me a little bit. So that's my yeah. only. And, and and if you watch the video, that's the only negative thing I can find to say really about Motion Array. Yeah, I hear what you're um, saying. Yeah. Especially since yeah. they have been so forthcoming. And I don't know if I told you this, but they sent me another email to two other questions I asked. Oh, yeah? What did um, they say? Uh, this is off topic a little bit. and um, But 
you know, I asked them, a lot of people were asking me after my video in, in, in the comments, and I'm still trying to figure out how to deliver this information. But they were asking me, once they are, are rejected, how are they and when are they able to resubmit? And as it turns out, they told me, and I can find exactly what they told me because I've saved it. I have it here on my email. But because this seems to be a thing that most people are asking. And yes. they came back to me and they asked, actually thanked me for the video, by the way. Okay. And they said, we usually try to offer, we usually offer to try again between three and six months. Ah, uh, interesting. As long as the artists actually show progress. There's some artists that don't find their production or genre to fit our catalog, and we usually wouldn't advise them to resubmit after rejection. So um, it, they also went on to say, we keep track of all rejections. So it's easy for us to see if that person who was rejected is qualified in our view to retry or not. Wow, cool that they uh, they disclose that to you. I mean, I don't know if uh, you saw the video I, I just put out this morning about um, like the year in review, but... Um, no, I haven't got to watch it yet. Something I mentioned in there is that, uh, well, this 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 guy, um, uh, Mensage, who's been, uh, I guess he's been following my YouTube channel for a bit, but he uh, he reached out to me about six months ago and asked for some uh, feedback on his tracks that he had submitted to Artlist. And um, he was rejected. And I listened to them, and they were really good. And I just had some pointed feedback in terms of some you know various things he could change potentially. And um, he applied three times uh, and finally made it in. And uh, which is amazing, is is awesome, uh, and and that should be a lesson to everyone who has applied to you know Motion Array or Artlist. It's like you know don't be, don't hesitate to reapply, and you know just put some work in and like make some improvements. But um, what was really interesting is that he mentioned that he um, reached out to them and asked them you know what the deal was, so you know with reapplying, and um, they said they told him that there was no limit on uh, you know. Uh, time limit on like reapplying and you know you could, you could send them as many applications as you want presumably i think you know it's probably similar to motion rays where if they're they're kind of convinced that you're you're just not going to be a good fit they might just kind of put you on that like blacklist or something i don't know but uh they seem really open-minded about the idea that like people um can can like go back to the tracks that they you know they they worked on and like and improve them and reapply so um i thought that was cool that they, you know, they, they, they let him know that. And, um, he's case in points that, you know, it's like he applied three times and, uh, and, and it took him three times to, to get in and they listened every time. So that's cool. You know, when we talk about art list and we talk about motion array, this kind of goes with our, our topic today, the difference between composer and arranger. And I think motion array is likely more about composers than it is about artists. And art list might be a little bit more about artists alongside composers. In other words, mm -hmm. uh, how, just, just FYI for me, how old was this guy you're helping? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, his picture, he's probably, he probably looks like, I don't know, he could be anywhere in, in his 20s, 30s or something like that. So, so 20s, not sure. 30s, not 40s, 50s. Yeah, like I'd have to go. I haven't actually gone to his profile in Artlist yet. Uh, I, 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 when we do our like next year, I, I still want to do a, a kind of research of these mid-tier libraries and talk about them: Music Vine, Artlist, Epidemic mm -hmm. Sound, and talk about the unique things about them. But I'd love to also do a kind of a a, a look at their rosters. Who is on it? What what is the general age? Would you think of the artists? What, what is the general types of music? I mean, there's all, probably all types of music, but mm -hmm. I would bet you that they're more artists focused on art list. And, and the reason, now I'll also tell you that uh, last week I pushed two brands to art list and I heard back in, in within a day or two uh, on both, they were both no's, but mm -hmm. the no's come fast. The no's don't come fast from a motion array. The no's take, um, I asked them, one question, the second question that I asked them about this was um, how long, I noticed Artlist gets back to auditioning artists within a few days. Some artists report to me they have waited six weeks or more to hear back from their initial motion array auditions. Is there a time frame that artists can expect when they audition? I'm going to put this on a blog on my site when I get it done. Mm -hmm. But 
basically they said it usually takes about two weeks for us to give our first review to new artists mm-hmm. as long as they submitted submitted tracks to motion array and six weeks is not possible it's either a mistake and i'd love for that person to email me so i'll check so you can email them and and ask hmm. um but a lot of times what happens is they said lots of people just send us links to portfolios which is mm-hmm. great, but we specifically ask for up to five submissions on the site so we can review what they believe fits to our catalog and the type of assets they want right. and have the rights to sell. And I and one guy who, who had been waiting like six weeks, he'd only put one song up. He's a, a coaching client of mine. Well, he's in the Discord too. Yeah. And, and he had only put one song up. And... And I said, "Dude, take that song down, and let's 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 find five really good ones to 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 do that initial push with." Yeah, uh, I have another client who's got you know we're really working on five his first five songs, and we sat down the other day with the five that he wanted. I'm like, "Dude, I'm not sure Motion Ray is gonna go for these." Okay, um, you know, I just I, I I may be wrong, but and and I think like I said in my video, the I think the answer lies in going into the and this goes for every library that any composer or artist wants to get into. Go look at what's there now. Search your type totally. of music. Listen to it. Does your stuff sound like that? Or at least in the ballpark. It doesn't have to have it sound exactly like it. But is the quality the same? Is the quality of the instruments and the and the samples the same? Mm-hmm. Uh, is you know is it similar? If it's if it's not, then and it's hard for people to to know that sometimes because they think it's great and they listen they go oh my stuff is good as that but you you really need to be able to take a really careful listen to yourself and compare yourself to these other artists and see if you fit now mm-hmm. in the the art list i think it's going to be more of what is your general your portfolio and your visual portfolio what's, what's so, the visual look like and and this is a really interesting point because i think that the appeal for a lot of people on uh being on like audio jungle or uh, uh motion array and sites where you don't really have to have like a you know up this public profile want, it's don't. actually like a huge advantage for a lot of people because a lot of people are just not interested in that um you, they offer a degree of anonymity um, which is which is nice because you just don't have to worry about all the you know the BS that comes with having to promote yourself as an artist. Um, I am of the opinion that you know if if you know that bridging the gap can be uh, between like you know that that sort of library composer thing and like having an artist profile uh, can be really advantageous. Um, and I'm kind of living in both worlds, right? Um, I just happen to be sort of. Uh, you know, lucky in the sense that I already have like a website that, you know, is stephenbettle.com and I have some, you know, some pictures that I could grab from my band days and stuff like, you know, it's like, it's, it was pretty easy for me to put that profile together. I think a lot of people would be starting from scratch um, in that respect. So, uh, but I do think that, you know, if, uh, that it's something that you should consider as if you're just like doing music production, you have no artist profile, um, you got nothing out there, what or what, at all? I think it is something that is worth considering because there's a lot of uh, value that you can leverage from that kind of thing. On the on the composer side, uh, and in the licensing side, most people in the licensing world, especially the uh, Jesses of Sync My Music and mm-hmm. the uh, the guys who I am signed to with catalogs, do you know how much they care about Spotify? Zero. They could care less about Spotify. They could care less about your artist page or your artist brand because they just want to put songs in libraries or they are just libraries wanting great songs. And there is no care to them about the Spotify side because likely the Spotify side is not going to bring you a near just a tiny percentage of what your licensing can bring to you mm-hmm. on both sides of licensing, on the, on the upfronts and on the back end. And, and that's really the same for stock, too. I just don't think that stock stock people who are coming to get a piece of stock music for their YouTube video could care less about your Spotify page. They, that's And this all came from a question that we got just a little while ago in the, in the Discord where someone said, should I, and we talked about a little bit about this last week. This kind of stems from that question last week. 
uh, is that right? At the end, we talked about how yeah. important is my social media and all that kind yeah. of stuff. Totally. All that is super non-important to people who are dealing with music libraries. It's only when you're on the other side of sync, when you're actively trying to be an artist to get your artist stuff into sync and into TV and into commercials, and you're coming at it from an artist perspective. And that's where I look at with my label, Creative Soul Records, where we'll be focusing the people in that. That will be focused on, let's build your artist brand, and then let's pitch that artist brand to music supervisors and to sync agents and things like that. And that's where the two worlds combine of licensing. Not really in stock at all, but in sync, I think that's where artists can be artists and mm -hmm. be chosen because this commercial wants the energy of that artist. They want yes. the goofiness of Pomplamoose in their Hyundai commercial or whatever it was that they did a few years back, you know, and they, they, they choose artist personalities for the commercial and not just the music versus, um, you know, uh, and, and you hear that when you listen to an Apple commercial every time it's some indie artist that nobody's ever heard of and some goofy kind of song that goes along with the with the mm -hmm. fancy gear turning around, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, you know, that's another difference between composer and artist in the sync world. But then there are guys who, like you see these guys on Taxi and they have the interviews with, with Michael and they're talking and none of them think a thing about Spotify. Mm -hmm. they're, not, they're not worried about it because they have to crank music out to get, you know, more income because they get their income from upfronts and they get it from BMI. And so that's their only concern. And one day that might even be mine. You know, it is really f that focus on the, the income that comes from the music itself and not in any kind of branding that goes along with that. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I think it's like, I wouldn't want to ever try to convince somebody like, you know, that they ha they should care about Spotify. You know, it's like, I'm not going to be that person, especially if, you know, all you want to do is write like sync music and, and, and work with libraries, like God bless, like go for it, do it. Um, I just think I'm of the opinion that, that like setting up a simple, uh, you know, doing the bare bones to get like that artist profile going, um, is actually pretty, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. Um, and the, so the, all the social media stuff that comes along with it, it's like, that can be a, a lot to manage, but you know, it is manageable. And I think that there is a lot of value in, in putting, in making that, that minimum effort to sort of get that profile together, whether that's a SoundCloud, you know, account or, um, or Spotify, um, whatever. I think that it, it, it there's a lot of advantages to it. And I think that it depends on what you want to do with with music because if you want to get into something like doing custom scoring for example having those like basic profiles set up is like very very important because people are going to want to work with you because they like you um they don't know who you are and what you look like it's uh, you know it's it's it, there's a disconnect there so um you know they're gonna they might like your music but they kind of want to see the personality and it's the same reason why you know, when we were first talking, when you when you first started the YouTube channel, I was like, you know, encouraging you to like put your face on the camera mm -hmm. because people are drawn to personality. You know, they're they're not. It's not all about the quality of the music. You might be, you know, the best music producer in the world, but people need to see you and they be, and need to understand who you are, and that's really what is the deciding factor when people want to work with you. At the end, of and the day. all of you need to know that the reason you have to look at my face on all the videos is because of Stephen. <laughs> Yeah. So that is, otherwise I was just going to make nice informational videos for you <laughs> without my face, but he's the one who made <laughs> me do that. And so now you have to look at this big face all the time. Um, <laughs> what I was going to say when you were talking about the importance of putting things on Spotify is there's another thing that I talk to my artists and composers about as, a, as an importance of getting your music on Spotify engines. Um, it's, it's legacy. In some ways... There are people who will never, ever know about you as a composer if all you're doing is feeding libraries. In other words, family, friends, relatives, children. Um, you, the legacy you're going to leave in this world is going to be just wrapped up in a, in a, in a royalty-free library somewhere, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not terrible, but also, why wouldn't you want all of your stuff, if you can, to have it on Spotify to be found in the future as 
whatever brand you choose. You don't have to choose your name. It can be your name or it can be a brand. I have my music out under many brands. Uh, th th they are literally fake artists. If you want to, if you wanted to call it that, you could call it that. I have a piano brand called mm -hmm. Quiet Soul Piano. Mm -hmm. I continue putting those albums and getting ready to put a hymns album out right now, out to Spotify. But I do that because I want that music to be out there. I want that music to be in the machine. Uh, I have music that I put in the machine in the late '90s. That's still in the Spotify and and Apple world because it was put into CD baby back in the day, you know, and still 20 years later, we, there was not even a, no one even thought about streaming and they didn't even barely think about downloads. Downloads had just become a thing where people were like thinking about downloads, mm -hmm. but the music industry is like, no one's going to want to download music on a computer. It takes too long, <laughs> you know, that we had, cause we had those old modems and stuff, but mm -hmm. No one envisioned this, but by getting it in the system, by getting your music, even as a composer, into the system, you are creating a legacy for yourself and your family so that if you died tomorrow and you've been putting all your music into Spotify as albums, that music would live on. Not just in the libraries that no one, like, what? 95% of the world will never see Pond 5, probably more than that. 99% of the world will never even know Pond 5 exists or Audio Jungle or Motion Array for that matter. But they will know Spotify's there and they will search for Christmas tunes or jazz tunes or piano tunes or whatever kind of music you do. And they might just find you by doing a search or you're in a playlist or you come up as one of these artists and it, and it, it it, it's not that you're trying to be an artist, but there's nothing wrong with leaving a legacy on this earth as a creative. Yeah, yeah. and that and that and that goes for like you know it doesn't have to be Spotify. It can be like you know put your stuff on YouTube too. Look, you know you never know who's like gonna find your stuff on YouTube and like it as well. Yeah. Um, Instagram, whatever, you know, it's all there to be uh, to be messed with in some in some respect. I think it's just important to you know encourage people to put themselves out there a little bit. Um, I know I people think, see that as a lot of work because it is do. a lot of yes. work. Yes, it is a lot of work. It is. And I, I think it's easy to set it up. It's easy to set it up, but it's it's difficult to maintain it. Um, but, you know, these are all um, things that can be managed properly. And uh, just it, it doesn't take that much time. It, like you just got to it just you just got to be organized, I think. Yeah. You, uh, I was watching Tom Dupree's video about his wrap-up. Did you ever watch, get a chance to watch that video about his wrap-up of the year his uh, and how he grew over the course of Oh, I did. Of yeah, I watched that. I actually found that really interesting. It was, it, it was, it was really, cool. really interesting because yeah. he showed you his process. He does yeah. inst three Instagrams a week. He does stories every day. He'd done 365 yeah. stories. He does a video every Thursday, and he does a... Um, a, a kind of a live video every Friday. It didn't miss one the entire yeah. year. It's really impressive. Um, and that was the and then the other thing is Spotify. He released a single every I can't remember what his thing was. I think his goal was to release one a month or one every quarter or something like that. And then promote it. And he and his mm -hmm. channel is all about how to promote Spotify with Facebook ads and with different things. He's he's actually tried lots of things, playlist companies and things like that. Mm -hmm. But he does the work. He actually makes the music. He's actually the artist, and he actually puts it out. And then he he actually does the experimenting with ads to try to do that. And so, and and that's what he's built his channel around. Same with Andrew Southworth. He's done the same thing. And uh, but growth comes from consistency. Consistency yeah. in posting. It's true in YouTube. It's true in anything. I've watched two huge YouTubers lately who have done videos about how they got off YouTube for a month and what happened in that time. And uh, one guy said it, it was, it was because they're so huge, it didn't hurt them really, but it did affect, you know, some things about their channel. And even, so even huge YouTubers can, maybe they can disappear as long as they're coming back in force and, and taking a break for some reason. But, um, there are people who abandon YouTube channels all the time for years and and uh, or for months and then come back to it. I have artists all the time who put a YouTube up and they'll put a, a single out every six months or three months or whatever. That's not enough 
to sustain growth on a YouTube channel mm -hmm. is just putting a video up every three months, you know, and, and pushing a few people over from Facebook. Make the, you, you, you can't uh, make the algorithms angry. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, you must the algorithms won't even pay attention if you're doing that. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing is, is they, they see how active you are and uh, they yep. reward you for it on some yep. level. I think what's interesting about the Tom Dupree video is that is I think correct me if I'm wrong, but his YouTube growth was the most outstanding of the year. Um, he And he was posting three videos a week. I think two of them might have been live streams, like one, two, two live streams, and like one video a week or something like that. It was a ton of content. Uh, and he did it every single week, which is amazing. Um, the dedication uh, to, to, you know, to consistency there. And I think he went from, like, he gained something like over 5,000 subscribers. No, he so. went from 4,000 to 14,000. Yeah, okay, so there you go, like 10,000 <laughs> subscribers in a year. That's insane. His Spotify followers grew pretty big too. Right, um, but I still think the YouTube growth is more um, interesting because cause he was promoting... Uh, he was paying for promotion on Spotify, so it's like exactly. so. So like it, it, it makes sense to me that he had growth there. But um, the YouTube, he wasn't promoting that. He was just putting out regular content, and people and it just caught on. And that's the really great thing about YouTube is I think that if you put some effort into it, it's like organic growth. You know, it's it's cool. I, I love the YouTube platform. It's my mm -hmm. favorite. Um, I love listening to podcasts. Um, I'm not much of a Instagram reader or a Facebook reader. I I'm a Facebook and Instagram poster in order to do advert in order to do marketing. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do put the content up there, but uh, and and sometimes engage if there's any engagement there. I hope to I'm going to put together a plan for my brands this year that yeah. that that is similar to Tom's and see if I can get that kind of engagement. I'm not sure story wise. Um, I think you have to come up with a plan. Um, whether you're a composer or an artist, you've got to come up with a social plan. And, and just like he had one with his Instagram plan was solid. Th one day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Monday, yeah. Wednesday, Friday, every week, and then a story every single day. Yeah, he had and, a calendar, man. Like he even showed it like on, yeah. his, on, his, on the video at one point. His calendar was the, busy. he had the growth to show it. And, yeah. um, and then same with YouTube. He had his YouTube schedule. And that's the hardest thing for me is to try to get the videos to come out on the same day every week. Totally. You know? <laughs> it's so hard, man. It's I can really get one difficult. out every week, but I, I can't guarantee what day, especially with clients. Uh, and and they're, they're, they, have, they all have like um, deadlines and different things. And so. Yeah. 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 Well, I've, I've been thinking a lot more about like, I, I think I want to get more into live streaming. I want to become better at it. Um, I love the idea that, you know, you can just go live and then it's posted. It's like, there it is, it's content, it's done. Um, it, the editing and the, uh, and all that stuff is what really yeah. takes time right. with, with videos. And like, that's, that's, it eats up a ton of time. Um, cause I'm a perfectionist. I'm like, I can't, I know, man, me, me too. And I get really, <laughs> I get way too uh, caught up in like tiny details and like, this doesn't matter. Just put it out. Um, yeah. and that, and that goes for a lot of things I do like music too. You know, like I get lost in, um, and details that maybe may or may not matter uh, in the end but that is sort of like part of my personality is a bit is a bit perfectionist and i think it serves me well in some uh, areas and and actually slows me down in others uh but um yeah i think the, the more i think about it is like okay moving into next year i think i want to get like better at live streaming because i love the idea that you can just press the button and it's recorded and it is what it is and it's out there yeah. and it's done so we'll see i get that yeah I, I think when did you start live streaming how many people did you have as as subs at that time to do that uh probably like well it would have been yeah maybe over around a thousand, thousand. yeah over a thousand. thousand and then i was like i man i put a ton of research into live streaming so i could do it properly like in terms of the setup yeah. Um, that took months in order for me to like figure out how to do this properly without uh, losing my mind. Mm -hmm. um, and I figured that all out. And then I was like terrified to press like go live. <laughs> Actually, I felt kind of like uh, the same way I did when I first started like performing music, like in, fr in front of people. I was like, oh my God, I'm really scared to do this. Uh, but now I'm getting more comfortable with it. And, and I think it's a really fun way to interact with people in real time. Um, there is, yeah, you know. My only I, fear is that no one would come, and I'd be sitting there. Just well, well, the actual to amount myself. of people that are in the stream, like at, at any given time, it's like usually it's like around twenty people max. But then yeah. people watch it later, you know. So, yeah. um, it, it and it and it, 
I think it brings up the watch time of the of the channel overall because people stick around for an average of you know a little bit longer than they would if you're releasing like a 10 minute video. So, gotcha. so there is that to consider too. Cool. Um, well, man, we've touched on some good stuff here. Um, you know, I think just to wrap this up, um, you know, I think you can be both composer and artist. And I just did a video recently on my channel about this very thing is that just because you're a composer doesn't mean you can't be an artist or mm -hmm. can't have artist brands and think of yourself as an artist. So I think even though I think there are differences between the two and some people definitely fall in either camp and really want to focus on that. I think you're especially a good example of someone who falls in both those camps. And um, I am a little bit, but probably not as much as you because I, I just, uh, my artist brands are not me face. <laughs> I sound like, I sound like a Frankenstein talking there. It's not me face. Uh, it, uh, my artist brands are, are brands of, of a band of, you know, my jazz brand, which is yeah. called player a, cause it's about the players that are in the band and not me even yeah, though right. it's all me, all my songs and stuff. And the piano is more about the, the piano, about piano music, which is what people really want. And um, I have another one that I've started growing this year. It's a folk brand, and it's called the Splendid Manifest. And it's just basically that folky brand, but it's just me. It's a totally fake artist, if you want to call it that. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, just, I don't even know what like fake artist means. Like you know, I I think it's every like, artist is fake artist. Gaga is a fake artist. I, I, I yeah, I just don't I just don't really I don't really get it. I mean, people have a, this romantic notion of what an artist is in their minds. I think which doesn't really account for the whole picture. Um, if, uh, most often, I think I I have these. Funny Alice arguments. Cooper was a fake artist. I mean, I mean, you, yeah. When you think about it, they're a kiss. I mean, they're all in costumes and dressing up to be other people than they actually are, and uh, you know, so. It's we're, it's funny because it's like I think you know the, going back to the Millie Vanilli thing. It's like th there was a time I think where people were sh shocked to know that like you know pop artists uh, have like a team of people or there are people writing songs for them. And I think that there's this classic you know romantic idea that you know like I always have these funny arguments with um with my sister. Uh, and she'll say things like, well, you know, Justin Bieber isn't a real artist. He's just a pop star. Um, and there's no real talent there. Is, is all of his songs are written for him and, and so on, you know. But, like, this is so – this is categorically – categorically false on like so many uh so many levels like whether you like the guy or not like put that aside first of all you know he's like a, a he's a product of uh like collective artistry like there's a team of of creative people uh putting his stage show together uh, you know there's choreographers there's uh producers helping him with um you know write his songs and mix and master his songs and there's no doubt in my mind that he himself is like you know involved in the songwriting process too and he's a super talented guy i'm sure um, but like next time it, she asks you that, ask her if you th if she thinks Michael Jackson was an artist. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, that's the exa <laughs> exact same thing. I mean, a lot of these 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 iconic artists are constructions, you know, um, yeah. brought brought together by like a lot of you know creative people thinking collectively. And I think that there was a time where like people would you know if they were to know that it'd be like it would be shocking and it'd be almost offensive. But these days it's kind of like known that that's that 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 is the case, and there's and there's nothing really wrong with that and everyone involved is uh, you know is expressing themselves creatively and um that might you know just that that's that's cool like we're all kind of artists and you know if you're and expressing yourself happen, creatively then you're an artist and what can happen like we talked about with the beatles is that average to good talent let's say taylor swift who when they started was very famous in some circles in Nashville of being mm -hmm. a created artist by her father or by her, you know, um, her, and I've worked for many artists who were indie artists who were just a girl who wanted to sing and daddy, I want to sing. And he paid for her to make an album. And I've done lots of those albums for people in Nashville. Mm, yeah, but yeah. a lot of people said that about Taylor Swift, but you look at her now and you see this, tremendous songwriter i mean whether she wrote the songs at the beginning or not you know or i'm sure she was in the room and part of it mm -hmm. and and i hope we don't make any swifties mad here um, but <laughs> um 
I I am really a big fan of her most recent two albums. Not the one that she's recreated her Red album or whatever, but the mm-hmm. two kind of folklore and the other one. That, those are really well written albums. Albums. I mean, just like wow, that's that's some good. There's some good stuff in there that is not just bubblegum pop, whatever yeah. stuff that she may have been accused of in the past. But that's a case where an artist can be built and then they take off on their own. I'm sure Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber has talent. He was found online because they thought some kind of talent they liked. Yeah. Mm. So maybe somebody came in and wrote all the songs for him and did all that. Whitney Houston, guess how many songs she wrote? Yeah. She was. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A brilliant singer, talented singer. Yes. I mean, she was a star. A lot of people would say she's an artist, but she didn't write her own songs. So we could go on and on about that. But this has been a great discussion. And I think wherever you fall on this, composer, artist, somewhere in between, um, I hope this has been helpful and uh, glad you've been listening to us today. Yeah. Thanks for listening to us ramble. (laughs) Yes. We're good at that. We like it. it. All right, man. Well, time to go off and do more composer, artist things. Um, So... We'll just let this podcast go, and I'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. Just a reminder to check out makemusicincome.com and productionmusicacademy.com. And you can find us both on YouTube as well. We both post regular content there. You can find me at Stevie B Production Music Academy, and Eric's channel is called Make Music Income. We'd love to see you there. Feel free to like, share, and subscribe to our content. Also, feel free to join us in the Make Music Income Discord server. Lots of great conversation going on in there, and you can share your work and connect with other like-minded folks. It's a great community. So thanks again, and we'll see you in the next episode. Take care.